0: Hello, bridge builders, change makers, and just bomb human beings. Welcome to Can Black People Grow Hair? A podcast created to bridge the racial gap between the black and white communities by inspiring intentional engagement and encouraging vulnerable conversations. I'm your host, Andrea Crystal, and today we're going to talk about how creating enemies out of our differences can spark suspicion that can result in us isolating ourselves from one another but that if we're willing to lean into one another we'll find out that we have more in common than we might have previously assumed when it comes to the issue of racism biases discrimination and injustice they naturally end up being felt in a in a concentrated manner by those experiencing them which will inevitably leave these same people feeling isolated and As if they're the only ones experiencing what they are. When we feel alone, disconnected, like islands, we tend to defend ourselves from the outside in a way that reflects that. As if everyone else is someone to be suspicious of. And when you feel isolated in your experience, it can be easy to go with the flow of believing that no one understands you or or can relate to you. And... That is definitely something that I personally can relate to because I remember when my dad passed away, it was such a tough time for me because I felt like I was completely alone in experiencing grief. I specifically remember when his funeral was over. At the funeral home, and we were driving to the burial site and i'm I'm riding in the passenger seat I'm watching people live their lives uh, in neighborhoods that were passing. I'm watching people driving their cars, laughing with their children, watching people you know sit on their porch and talk with neighbors and I remember thinking, no one gets what's happening to me right now. no one gets that." my dad is dead in a, in a casket 3 cars away from me nobody understands what's happening how can people just live life and just go on doing the norm and that went on for it went on for a long time honestly i i felt like that for like a couple years and i ended up isolating myself so often in my grief, because I didn't want to open up to people about how I was feeling, because I automatically assumed, oh, well, you know, this friend hasn't lost their dad. They have their dad around. Like, they're not going to care that I'm still sad, you know, a year later. Or I just felt alone in my experience, honestly. And the more alone I focused my. Attention and, and energies on the more loneliness I felt, and the more that I felt like nobody understood, the more isolated I became, um, both internally from people that I loved and who loved me and also like physically distancing myself, because when we 're in a place where our entire identity has been defined by our pain or the way in which we feel different from anyone else, we truly may believe that no one cares, that no one could possibly understand what we're going through. And if we believe that there's nothing that anyone else can relate to, then naturally we may also begin to su- suspect that another person's investment in our experience is going to be slim to none that we're forgotten not paid attention to that we're invisible to the world of people living life outside of our our island that we've that we've been on and it's those very beliefs and feelings really that whether true or just truly felt that can create this chasm so deep and so wide between people because Trust can't be built between people who stay isolated from one another. It's often found that suspicion grows from mistrust. It's natural for most of us to be suspicious of what we don't understand, what we can't relate to, or of people we don't know. And there's a healthy level of suspicion that we should all have. Suspicion can act as a kind of intuition, warning us of danger or prompting us to be cautious of something which I think we can all relate to. You know, maybe for you it was that time that you just had this feeling that you should make it a priority to get your tires changed one day just to then find out from the mechanic that one of your tires was about to fall off at any moment. Or maybe you had a suspicion not to go to that party. That sounded fun, and by all accounts, there was no reason why you shouldn't have gone, but you decided to stay home just to find out that there was a big fight that broke out that night and you would have not wanted to be involved in that at all. I'm sure that you have, you know, your own examples of times like those. I know I do. When you had no actual evidence that something was wrong and yet you still suspected that something was, just to find out that your suspicion was right. However, this isn't always the case though, is it? sometimes our suspicions are primarily based on judgment, fear, and popular opinion. And in the world we live in today, suspicion is powerful. Suspicion can have the power of literal life or death. Because when it comes to racism, discrimination, and bias, one of the things that give them life is suspicion. Often, The suspicion that certain kinds of people are or aren't something that there really isn't any supporting evidence of, something that is often assumed and is very rarely something that is positive. Suspicion can have the power of literal life or death. That's a heavy thing to claim, I know, and maybe that sounds a little aggressive to you, that suspicion can influence life or death but I'd like to invite you to possibly see suspicion in a new light because Merriam-Webster defines suspicion as the act or an instance of suspecting something wrong without proof or on slight evidence and how many black men and women have been murdered assaulted or accused of something um Because there was some kind of suspicion associated with them being Black. With their Blackness being, you know, a prerequisite to guilt. Think about Ahmaud Arbery, who was murdered while jogging because he was a Black man who was suspected of being involved in a crime in which it was suspected that a Black man was involved in. Keywords being A black man, not this black man, but the suspicion was enough to take his life. Or Amy Cooper, who was uh, banking on the power of the suspicion of black men and tried to use it to manipulate people into believing that a black man was threatening her life instead of the truth, which was that he was reminding her that she needed to have her dog on a leash in a public park. These are just a couple cases in which people's fears, assumptions, and biases gave energy to suspicion and made the color of someone's skin the only piece of evidence needed to make them guilty. So I stand by it that suspicion has the power of life or death. Black and other marginalized people have no doubt been the most affected by the devastation of racism and discrimination. One reason being because we are all so outnumbered and because the United States was founded on the belief that if you weren't white, then there was something wrong with you, that you were uncivilized and that you needed to be controlled as a matter of public safety. And this created such a deeply rooted suspicion of anyone different from white America that is still running its course through families, churches, politics, and organizations today. However, I do feel that the isolating effects that racism, discrimination, and suspicion can have on a person is not just a minority topic of discussion. I think it's a humanity issue because I firmly believe that inevitably what we end up putting out into the world always ends up getting reflected back at us, which can end up creating cycles that affect us all. Let me give you a little analogy of what I mean. Let's say you have five strangers that are put into a room together everything starts out fine they're making introductions small talk and you know things are going well there's no reason to think that things aren't going well because they don't know enough about each other they don't know each other's past or their baggage you know they don't know any of that stuff so these five strangers are together just trying to get acquainted and things are going well and then one of them all of a sudden starts to feel uneasy and they start to feel uncomfortable. They realize they are the shortest and skinniest one in the group. And they're starting to think about how if things went south in that room and a fight broke out, they wouldn't be able to defend themselves because everyone else is so much bigger than they are. So out of that fear, they start to disengage from the group they stop talking, they're putting physical distance between them and everyone else, and their entire countenance changes from one of openness to one of nervousness and suspicion. Well, someone notices how this person's countenance has changed. They're wondering, why are they acting so sketchy? I mean, they don't know enough about that person to know that they're in a corner, Because they just realized how much smaller they are from everyone else. And they're just afraid. That's it. They're just afraid. And you know there's nothing wrong with them. But because they don't know that person they start to feel uncomfortable. Because they're watching that person's eyes dart back and forth. And seeing how visibly distraught and uncomfortable they are. So they start to feel hyper aware now of the fact that they're the heaviest person in the room and if something went down they might be more vulnerable because they move a little bit slower than everyone else so out of their fear they start to disengage from the group and place physical distance and are now keeping a good eye on everyone of the three remaining strangers one notices that there are now two people who have isolated themselves and are Acting defensive, and now they start to feel uncomfortable. And this begins a sequence of events that eventually results in all five strangers feeling suspicious of one another, uncomfortable together, and now people are more focused on their fears and assumptions of each other than in asking the necessary questions to figure out what created the separation in the first place. An entire room now divided because differences were used to fuel suspicion and spark fear instead of curiosity and this is what the world can be like in so many ways people making weapons out of differences that they believe will be used to destroy them a room full of five strangers started out with so much possibility of friendship understanding and learning because there was no history with one another Uh, There was no knowledge of each other's past. There was no knowledge of each other's lives that were actually outside of that room. And yet they all ended up being divided, fearful of one another, suspicious of one another, believing the worst of one another. And it all started when just one person who internalized their difference as being the only difference in the room created a story for themselves that said, that for sure their difference would be used against them. And that story was adopted by everyone else as their difference started to feel like the only difference in the room. Not knowing that their very shared experience of feeling out of place could have been a great equalizer to build on had they chosen connection over suspicion. Because when you feel you're the only one being put through something, everyone else can start to look like threats whether true or truly felt and this is why i say that the isolating effects of racism bias discrimination and the suspicion that they can create is not just a hurdle for marginalized people it's a humanity issue because i'm seeing this as something that both minorities and the white community are navigating. And even though we may express our experiences of it differently, there are also ways in which I feel like uh, there's some overlap in how we express our experiences. And I'm hoping that The understanding of that will assist in not only building a bridge of commonality, but will also play a role in closing the chasm that has formed between people because of the defense mechanisms that we all have been displaying, even sometimes without recognizing it. There have been mindsets, systems, and practices that have been put into place that encourage the black and white communities to be suspicious of each other, to keep each other believing that the other always has ulterior motives, um, is out to get them and that they cannot coexist with one another without someone having to minimize themselves in order for the other to thrive. This there's only room for one kind of defense mechanism can keep black people from befriending white people, believing that they will always try to keep them from succeeding. And it'll also keep white people believing that the call to action of saying black lives matter is a declaration that white lives don't. White and black people have been set up to be those strangers in the room that I previously spoke about. That when their differences, whether true or truly felt, become reflected in the way they begin to distance themselves from one another created a chasm that widened as the cycle of making enemies out of differences continued on both sides and this is the hope this is the hope of divisive voices to keep yourself involved only thinking about how the elevation of one person might affect your own to keep you invested in the idea of lack of resources success spotlight um, instead of abundance And to keep you believing that our differences are a threat instead of an opportunity for growth. If people created the suspicion, then it's people that can build the trust. Now, does building trust mean that there will be no absence of fear? No. Does building trust mean that people are no longer capable of hurting our feelings? No. Does building trust even mean that we are guaranteed that the other person will reciprocate our attempts to build community? No. But you know what? We are not even guaranteed any of these things within friendships or romantic relationships either. And yet we keep making friends. We keep pursuing love. We keep reaching out to people. So we have got to resist The urge to create enemies out of our differences because of our fears or suspicions that tell us to protect ourselves first and foremost. There is so much healing to be explored in the simple yet hard act of reaching out to someone when it could have been easier to isolate because of our differences. By being vulnerable, And saying to one another, I'm scared. You might just find out that you'll get met with an unexpected, I'm scared too. Thank you for listening to Can Black People Grow Hair? I hope that this episode brought value to you as we talked about the detriment of creating enemies out of our differences by feeding our fears and suspicions of each other. We acknowledge the culture of suspicion that we've been herded into by divisive systems and mindsets and reminded ourselves that if people created the suspicion, then people can create the trust. And guess what? We are those people we can create trust with one another by leaning into creating community even when our fear tells us it would be better to protect ourselves and isolate i hope you'll join me in the next episode as we dive into another topic together but until then you can find me on instagram or facebook at its andrea crystal and if you're down for inviting others to be bridge builders too i would love it if you'd rate and review the podcast and share this episode wherever your favorite people hang out. So that is all from me today. Keep building bridges instead of walls and we'll talk again soon.